Hey everyone, uh, I'm Chris Murdoch. Uh, this is Recruiting Connections with me. Uh, I'm the co-founder and chief sourcing officer of IQ Talent Partners. Uh, and this is the podcast where we just talk about connections in regards to recruiting. So today uh, we have Trent Cotton. Uh, Trent, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll just jump right into the conversation. All right, I am the global talent acquisition and retention manager. That's a mouthful. I always have to like pause and go, okay, what exactly do I do? All right. So I'm over all of talent acquisition and retention for Hatchworks. We're a technology solutions provider and we also do staff augmentation, both onshore and nearshore. So uh, kind of a, a new twist to talent acquisition for me is, is learning and trying to kind of decipher what's going on in the Latin American market while also keeping a pulse on what's going on in the U.S., um, I also get to lead our um, kind of our charitable arm, our, our giving arm. We call it Hatch Futures. Um, so it's a way that we can work to be able to bridge the gap and end in the poverty and all the areas and all the communities that we represent. So it's kind of like two of my favorite passions. People ask me, you know, what do you do? I said, I go, I find people, attract them, get them engaged, find ways to keep them developed, find ways to keep them retained. And in my free time, we're doing the same thing out in the community. Connections, connections, connections. Yep. And normally yep. I would ask you the question of, I'm going to I'm gonna jump on something that you brought up that I think is really important mm-hmm. and very unique. How do you, are you connecting the philanthropic endeavors that you're doing? Because we, we have mm-hmm. a philanthropic arm ourselves. Um, how are you mm-hmm. connecting that to the culture? I can't imagine them not being connected. And, and that's actually during the interview process. I started, you know, of course, we're recruiters. We always go and do our due diligence. And I, I started looking at the Hatch Futures. And so I asked the CEO during my, my second meeting, I said, talk, talk to me about this. And, and he is super passionate about it. And we probably spent 30 or 40 minutes with it. And I said, look, you know, if, if this progresses, I'm, I, I'm really trying not to overstep my bounds here. But this needs a home. And in my mind, it belongs in talent because we're people, people. We're organized sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we're organized, but you know, whenever I looked at the company's flywheel, the Amazon flywheel, ours is culture. And that was one of the things that attracted me to it. And one of our things that we lead with when we talk to candidates is like, yeah, you can go work for another firm that's larger, that does the same exact thing that we do. That'll probably pay you more. Do they invest in your community the way that we will? Will they give you the opportunity to go and represent Hatchworks in their community? And the answer is always no. And that's just enough of a crack in the door that I need just to kind of bust the rest of it down. So to me, they're they're inseparable, you know, and it, I don't know, not to get mushy, but it's one of the things that just makes me so freaking proud is our people and their passion. And then the philanthropic arm of it is just it's just an, a, a natural extension. It's like, you know, going from the shoulder to the arm. You can't have one without the other. You think about connect, you know, c- candidate experience. You think about mm-hmm. employee experience, you know, employee engagement, candidate engagement, candidate experience, mm-hmm. employment branding. But to the connecting, to connecting with the community that you live in, connecting in the communities that you serve. Um, mm-hmm. All of those things feed each other. So your your, your clients right. see it, your candidates see it, your employees see it, your future employees see it, your future companies yeah. connect, your future customers see it, and all of a sudden your sphere of influence is just that much bigger. And you know who you are. They they know who you are coming in. So mm-hmm. I'm my so I'm going to make a jump and make an assumption here that when candidates come in, they already kind of know who you are. How often are the candidates selling themselves to you, even passive candidates? 
are they selling themselves to you because they really want to work there because they already know who you are? Or are you still kind of have to having to kind of connect them with that information? Yeah. Yeah, we're still having to connect the information because we're we're relatively new. I mean, we just expanded into Latin America probably two years ago. So whenever you call or you reach out to someone, I'm sure that you know candidates on the other side, especially in Latin America, are going hatch who you know <laughs> what. Um, so it it can be a little intimidating of not having that big old brand to to be able to tell like a Google or a Pfizer or an Equifax, all of which are down there, Facebook. Um, everyone wants to work for those. So, you know, it, it's a very unique value proposition that, that we have to be able to position. And it's not putting down Facebook or Google because those are fantastic, you know, fantastic organizations leading tech. I mean, that, that's the sexy place to go. But not everybody wants to go there. You know, sometimes people want mm-hmm. to go where, you know, what's that, uh, where everybody knows your name, cheers. And that's probably yeah. dating myself. But I mean, there is something like that, that they want to be known. They want to be seen. They want to be appreciated. And they want to be invested in. And, you know, whenever I was interviewing, I, I had three other opportunities. And I just kept coming back to Hatchworks. And it was the connection to the leadership. Um, I have never... Uh, let me take that back. I've worked on leadership teams where I look around the room going, God, I can learn something from this person and this person and this person, but something was always stopping. Um, and it's called an ego. You know, there are people that are really smart, but they, they know they're smart and they kind of put this wall up. Um, two weeks after I started, we had a leadership meeting and, and sales and, and client engagement. And I remember driving home and, and I was talking to a friend and they said, so how was it? You know, this was kind of your first time meeting everybody face to face. I said, I have never been in a room with such smart people where there was no ego, CEO included. So here I am, the, the two week old guy um, asking questions about their AI and ML solution offering going, why are we going that route? Why don't we do this route? Why don't we do this? Completely outside of TA completely outside of HR, but because I have such a passion for HR analytics, I was thinking about it from a potential Mm -hmm. client set and no one said, Hey, punk, you know, you stay in the talent lane. I was part of the conversation, you know, and and that is that I can go and sell. That's something that a lot of employees, especially now with looking for that connectedness of not just being able to go into the office and, Hey, I know Chris, we drink coffee every morning, but I know Chris virtually. But also know that he has a daughter. I know that he has a dog, and we talk about this and and just the 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 culture and the philanthropic part of it is just it was the catalyst for me to kind of go. You know what? I'm willing to take the risk. You know, I'm willing to take the jump and and go out. Now, I have to let me let me just kind of clear something up because a lot of times whenever <laughs> people think philanthropic, it thinks we're just going around like you know to our our group in Columbia and just writing a check. That's, that's a part of it. I mean, we do that. That's probably maybe 10 or 15% of it. We have a strategy and this is where it comes in that, that connecting it to the overall talent strategy is we're looking at uh, kind of three or four different levels. So the first one is workshops. And, and, you know, if you're in the U S you're probably familiar with junior achievement where you go in and it's, it's like a lesson in a box. You go in and you teach high school uh, students financial literacy, which it's sad that we have to do that as professionals if they don't do it in school, but nonetheless, it is what it is. So we're developing those types of workshops where we can do it both in the U.S. and all of our Latin American countries where, you know, I'm a software developer. I'm not in leadership. I'm not a team lead. But if I want to go to my local high school and be able to facilitate a course to get them interested in tech, 
this is something I can do. I'll just follow it. So that that's kind of our entry point. The next is, you know, depending on the country, there's different educational systems, but we're also working to develop apprenticeships and ultimately look at, okay, we have an apprenticeship, but can we get them a job after that? So now we're, we're actually doing a reverse engineer. We're looking at how do we build out that junior talent, that program, uh, we're calling it emerging talent. So once we have that, that top part of the funnel done, then we can go and look at the internships while we're steadily doing the workshop. So if we fast forward, hopefully two years at the most, we'll be able to go into a high school or into some kind of, you know, under education below, below the university, be able to get them interested in code, get them interested in software, tech development, whatever it is in the tech space, work with them and let them be apprentice uh, or work on an apprenticeship while they're in school. And then hopefully say, you know, Hey, you've been with us for three or four years, or you know about us for three or four years. Why don't you just come on? We'll hire you full time. And that is such a fantastic story to be able to tell from a, looking at it from a philanthropic aspect of it. We invested from age 16 and now they're 22 and they're joining us. That's a fantastic story to tell there. There's retention beyond belief and that that whole statement but for those of us that get to work along that set, that person that we first met as a junior in high school and now they're on the member of the team i mean just thinking about it, it just makes me smile and so that's why like whenever you say you know what's the connection i just there's there's no gray area to me there there's no shadow it's it's part of who we are and it's just it's one of the reasons that i i get so excited about the stuff that we do you're putting in the time now so many companies focus quarter to quarter. Sometimes it's year to year to, to hear you talking about years out and, and, you know, building those relationships, making those connections now, maintaining those connections, working those connections, and, and, and they can become future employees. We've actually had several interns convert. Um, you know, and yeah. one of whom, one of whom, uh, Becca, uh, she's now our senior recruiter of recruiters for IQTP. So she started as an intern awesome. while she was still at MTSU. Um, and, uh, she converted as soon as she graduated and she is, she's hired over a hundred people, actually wow. probably hundreds of people, um, in the last, uh, 16 months. And, and just getting to see the impact that, you know, going from being a member of our CIA, which we call them the mm -hmm. CIA, the contact information, that. the contact information associates. Um, and so their whole job was to find email addresses and phone numbers for people. And uh, now we've built some technology that does that. But to go from, you know, just data entry, you know, find the email addresses, and phone numbers and, and helping people do their job to now recruiting the people. Uh, that, mm -hmm. that, that this company's now, you know, our, our current leaders, our future leaders, they're all here because of her that's and something awesome. that started, you know, that started when she was so like, didn't even know what recruiting was when she joined, when she joined. <laughs> and, and so, the, but, the, but those connections and, and getting to see that and, and understanding the impact oh, yeah. and showing the, and, and in a couple of years, you're going to be able to just sit back and just look at these people and say, I remember when. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, even now, um, you know, I, I've had the opportunity to work with so many recruiters, fantastic recruiters, some of which, you know, in my banking days, I took them out of banking and said, you know, banking, you know, sales, I can teach you recruiting. And they're like, I don't think so. I don't have to like, nah, just give me a year. If not, I'll find mm -hmm. your place back in retail or commercial. 
And, you know, to be able to see them progress and continuously learn and, and still have that relationship where they call and go, hey, you're the one I ask, what is a Rayrock engineer? Hey, call me, let's walk through it. You know, so to still have that over the course of moving, you know, two or three different times, uh, to me, that that's kind of what I like um, about TA leadership and being able to train versus untrain. I will take that all day long. I do yeah. not like having someone that comes in. I've been recruiting for 20 years and this is how I've always done it. Fantastic. It has changed in the last 20 months. How I recruit now is not how I recruited 20 years ago. And I've almost been in recruiting for God, 18, 19 years. It's yeah, changed. I mean, when, you got to change. Well, well, I mean, when I got started in recruiting in, in October of 1999, I still had to use a ruler and a, and a, and a, and a printed directory. Like I had to scan each page. And now it's, it, you know, then we went to CD-ROMs, then we went to, you know, essentially online CD-ROMs. And now we have all these, you know, machine learning and, and AI-enabled tools that are helping us recruit. Oh, yeah. but, but one thing that's, that's interesting that's coming, that I've noticed is coming back. And and this is where, I mean, you know, your, you know, Hatch Futures is out there on the web. People can find it. It's searchable. Mm-hmm. There is so much information available now about people, about companies, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. Um but mm-hmm. now it's focused, we get to focus on the people side again. When I first started in yeah. recruiting, it was still about me building relationships. You didn't have LinkedIn, Google didn't exist mm-hmm. yet. And so you, had, you didn't have the same tools. And so you had to network more, you had to, to get referrals mm-hmm. more. You were building a lot more relationships and, 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 and creating those connections with talent. We kind of moved away. I think when, you know, when your resume got a couple numbers on Monster, you became, right. it, it, I think the people side of it, we lost it for a little while, but the great mm-hmm. thing is we're bringing the people side back as someone who's kind yes. of seen the tech ebb and flow, but now the tech is making it so much easier to find the right people. And mm-hmm. you've got even indicators like what you, you know, you can find people on LinkedIn that talk about the, 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 the fill in, you can actually put your volunteer work. Yep. And so if that aligns with, uh, with Hatch Futures, you can call that out in, in, yeah. you know, when you reach out and, and that connection gets made and you can put a link to Hatch Futures and say, hey, we really care about this stuff as well. And the same mm-hmm. things, have, come have a conversation with us. Even if you're not interested in, in making a move right now, I would love to get to know you because you care about the same stuff as, as me. It makes your job so much easier now. It is. It is. And, and you know, for... I haven't lost how I originally started. Uh, So I didn't have the resumes. Um, I mean, I was a punk. I I was a commercial lender, private banker, converted to the dark side as a contract recruiter. and spent six months with recruiters, mainly HR people waiting for people to apply, trying to tell me that I would never make it. The thing that I learned about 90, I think it was about 90 days in, they gave me kind of a crap job. Um, that nobody else wanted. It had been open for nine months. Got me on the phone with the hiring manager who just, his name was Fred Jackson, Mississippi. I'll never forget him. He was looking for a poultry lender. Now I'd been in banking for eight or nine years by that point, done a lot of different types. Never heard of poultry lending. So, I mean, I, I was fascinated. You know? um, but I learned in the course of that conversation, I started asking him questions specifically about the products. Like what's the loan to value? I mean, you know, do you, do you have to do this? Do you treat this as this? And like, I really kind of got into what type of client he was looking for because it helped me understand what type of talent and where I could find this person. And, um, 
I've never lost that. You know, that that mm-hmm. that intellectual curiosity is what I look for whenever I'm I'm hiring a team member, someone that says, okay, well, tell me about this. Help me understand this. And whenever I call, even now, uh, I mean, I, I'm working on a couple of different roles now, and I send something saying, I like your background. You may be a fit for something that I've got open. But nonetheless, um, you never know whenever a pass might need to cross. Do you have 15 minutes? I just want me, I want you to tell me your story. And I've had more people that go, that is such a unique way of, of positioning it. Because if I if I understand Chris's story, then yes, the role that I have for senior executive chief sourcing hoopah may be just kind of a lateral move for Chris. But if I know his story and something comes down 18 months later, I know his competencies. I know his passions. I know why he moved into all these different roles. And I can pair him with the right fit. I'm a huge proponent of right person in the right role at the right time in a patient way. Now, getting my clients to be patient enough to wait, that's a (laughs) totally different thing. But I like to know that whenever I place someone, they're there and I'm going to watch them grow. And that, that to me is, is kind of what makes me go to sleep at night going, you know what? I, I did something okay today. Um, you know, it's so fascinating. You bring, I mean, it's, you want them to know who you want to know who they are mm-hmm. and, and, and which is great that the thing is too many recruiters don't do that. They don't take the time. Right. They're, they're just selling, you know, they're selling a great opportunity, but what if it's not for that one person? What if it's a great mm-hmm. opportunity? It, it's a great opportunity for somebody, but you're making a big assumption. That yes. what you're selling, you're, you know, which, and, and so we, we tell, we train our team, you know, put yourself in their shoes. These people could be getting hundreds of messages a month. How do mm-hmm. you separate yourself? How do you differentiate yourself? And, and you do that actually by, by caring about them, by showing that you're an empathetic person, that you, you want to know who they are. You, you mm-hmm. glean some information about them from what they've put out there. And you've made an assumption that you're, there's someone that you want to get to know. And, you know, I'm not really part of the interview process here for our associates, the, the, the people that are new to recruiting, but I sit mm-hmm. down with them and I help them understand who I am um, before I do really anything else. I want them to ask me questions. I go through this. I try to go through the same, you know, questions that they answer with, you know, with the people in the class, because I want them to know who I am. And part mm-hmm. of who, you know, part of who IQ talent is, is who I am. It's also mm-hmm. what we've built as an organization. It's what we care about. It's what we do. And then I go into the, why we do things the way we do them, because yeah. it's more important. I can teach the, what the, how helping hiring people that want to know why we do things this way is what we focus on. We want yeah. people to understand the why, because if I help you understand why you'll figure out how to start, kick off a project and you'll get a button to see. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And, and, and two, let's face it, the how, I mean, you can explain it today, but it's probably going to change in the next 30, 45 <laughs> days in the way of the economy. So leave, you know, if they, if they're grounded in the who and they're grounded in the why everything else becomes side pieces, you know, just side pieces to the chess game that they can move and they can be able to respond to what's going on in the market and respond to what's going on in the organization that they're that they're trying to place in because you know how all of us have been a part of the search that something that's going on and then not 45 days into it like hey we got to change you know there's been an org change or you know the market is slim we're going to have to do a kind of a drop back and punt and I, I find that that recruiters that are but that's not what we agreed to 30 or 45 days ago they don't last long uh, they're they're great in high volume because it's just like let's just kind of turn a burn let's do what we need to do but for those 
more complicated, high touch, I, I call it boutique type of searches, you kind of have to be okay with the ambiguous. And I prefer the ambiguous yeah. because, and I think candidates do too, to be able to say, this is what I've heard. This is what they're not saying that I also heard. Here's where I think you could probably go with it. That is such a different conversation than it is, okay, do you have five years of React? Check. Three years of Node? Check. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like going to the damn DMV, you know? That's not a, that's not a conversation. And being yeah. an internal recruiter, that's not the first impression I want for Hatchworks. It's not dynamic. It's static. And, and we are not a static organization. It's because you've, I mean, you've all invested so much in putting out in, you know, time, money. Yes. But you've yes. spent so much time and invested so much time in sharing who you are that, mm-hmm. you know, you, you now are ready to do the same thing with your candidates. And that's clear. Yeah. I love that. This is a white, mm-hmm. this is a, that's a much, I think how you, I think that's a, I, I love that. I love the hatch future. I love the hit futures. I, I love how you have integrated that just in, into who you are, not just who Hatchworks is, but it, it's already who you are and you haven't been at Hatchworks, but you know, three months. Yeah. Three months. And, it, but it's funny because um, I did a lot of JA in banking and I remember I was a, excuse me, I was a retail executive and it was in a, what, what banks call a low to moderate income area. And so I'm taught in one of the high schools and uh, I was teaching a senior class and that particular JA, it's almost like in management uh, courses in universities, you kind of run a company, but we were doing it on a very small scale. And there was this one kid that just, he got every, not every, 80% of the questions wrong. 80% 80% of the time that he as the CEO of this little company, I mean, all of his team was ready to do whatever he asked. Um, so he, he wasn't the smartest, but he could for sure motivate a team to go right into the fire, you know? And I would just ask him, I was like, you know, what, what are you doing? Why are we doing that? Okay. Do you think that's a good decision? Now look at, this is what the market's saying, but he was so passionate about it, but he took correction. He goes, okay, so why are you asking me this question? And I kind of walked through. I said, these are some things that you need to consider. I said, you're looking at the now. As a CEO, you got to look at the future and the now and balance them out. And he went from taking his team. I mean, they were bleeding money, fake money, but they were bleeding money. And the sooner he started listening, you could kind of watch him look at the different little scenarios that came up. He was the quickest to respond to the last three worst case scenarios because he had learned the whole entire way. And so at the end, they had to do like their, their little project. And this is how our company performed. This is why we think we should get the award. And I just, I asked all of the questions, what did you learn? And, but for him, it was a little bit different. I said, you went last to being able to outmaneuver your competitors who had more cash than you did. How, how did you do it? I said, I'm looking at the balance sheet, but how did you do it? And he said, I learned that in order to be successful, I needed to have three plans for everything that I wanted to do. A good, a bad, and an ugly. And I'm thinking, this kid's 18 years old. I mean, he was awful at math too. But anyway, nonetheless, <clears throat> fast forward. I had a I had a little part-time opportunity over the summer and uh it was working in the drive-thru window. And so I got him in there. And his name was um Alex. I always want to say Alan, Alex. And so I said, Alex, you gonna come work for me? I said, just work over the summer, work in the teller line, everything. Now he's in the drive-thru, which is it was part of the branch, but it was a little separated. He had to kind of cut through the hall. Let me tell you, he developed such relationships with those clients in the drive-thru. 
I didn't have to remember that it was April because the drive-through people were asking the tellers, how's Alex doing? Have y'all gotten an update on his grades? When is he coming back? Like he just formed these connections. And uh, so he did that for three or four years, um, even whenever I wasn't over that particular location and went on to study law and finance. And now he is a corporate attorney over M&A for a very large corporation. And so for me, having that personal connection and being able to look at that and look at um, you know, our CEO share, there is going to be a tremendous gap in 2030 between the number of tech job uh, tech people needed and the number of tech people that are out there. So this is our way of being able to, to not just solve an economic problem and a talent problem years before it happens, but being able to bring people up and bringing them out of poverty by saying, look, you can do this. You don't have to go to a college to learn how to code. You can do it here and, and we'll give you that incubator to be able to do it. And we're going to invest in you to be able to succeed. They benefit as an employee, the community benefits, you know, especially in, in some countries where the U.S. dollar is a lot more powerful than you know, the local currency. Mm -hmm. So we're able to directly impact that, that country's economy while also filling a talent issue before it ever hits us. So that's the part. It's just like the perfect trifecta of, okay, this is a this is pretty slick, you know. So let, let's just go all in. So um, if you think I'm passionate about it, you should see the Hatchworks Future <laughs> Committee. I mean, I'm in I'm in charge of trying to make sure that we stay all on course because we just want to go and conquer the world. Um, but the passion there, we take that that we're doing in Hatch Futures and we apply it to our clients. We apply it to the development of our team. And to me, that's why the, the two of them are just they're interlocked. It, it's just, it's who we are as a brand. And to your point, that's part of who, that's my DNA. And so whenever I, I found, it was like I found a home, you know, and that, that just kind of, even on the tough days, I'm like, you know what, I'm still at home. I'm where I need to be. And, and this is, I think the title of the podcast is going to be connecting with the future. And, um, oh, I, I love think it. That's, uh, yeah. Thanks so much, Trent. I, I really appreciate you. Absolutely. Enjoyed it. Thanks so much, Chris. All right, everyone. Thanks so much. Thank you.